Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Hey, family, and thank you so much for tuning back into another episode filled with lots of wisdom and gems. In the hot seat with me today is Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo, and here's a bit about Dr. Elizabeth. She is a licensed practicing psychologist with an MS in physical therapy and a PhD in psychology with who combines research findings, real life stories, and humor to provide actionable tips that individuals can benefit from immediately. Consider Shaquille O'Neal's head coach for happiness. Lombardo is on a mission to free people from the stress of perfectionism caused by their own inner critics. She is considered the country's most widely interviewed celebrity psychologist with hundreds of radio and TV appearances on shows like Dr. Oz, The Today Show, Steve Harvey, CNN, Fox Business News, and others. She has been quoted in media outlets, including the, the New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, Money Magazines, Forbes, Women's Health, and some of us ladies' favorites, Cosmopolitan. Her own articles can frequently be found in Success Fast Company, Entrepreneur, Better Homes and Gardens, and other publications. Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo has the best tips in her new book, Get Out the Red Zone. It's the book you need to help and guide you to de-stress and focus on things that will make you what? truly successful. The Get Out the Red Zone book has everything you need and more to have the right frame of mind to overcome all of the life's challenges that may pop up. So without further ado, welcome the woman behind it all, Dr. (laughs) Elizabeth Lombardo. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor. I hope I pumped you up because I definitely wanted to put some emphasis because I was like, man, she's been on some amazing TV shows. (laughs) And now I'm on an amazing podcast. So yay. Dr. E, before we dive into our segment of the psychological red zone where you're going to break down what that is, I definitely want to connect with you on a personal level. So the audience gets to know who is Dr. E. So here are two options. We could play a rapid fire 10 question game or break the ice up front. What, which would you like to do? Uh, I don't know what the break the ice up front is. So let's do the 10, 10 rapid questions. Okay. They're going to be rapid. You ready? (laughs) Number one, favorite color. Blue. Number two, dream car. Um, I guess a Tesla. (laughs) Okay, I'm not a big car person, but it would be, yeah, environmentally nice. Okay. Number three, you get an all expense paid trip anywhere in the world. And here's the kicker. You just found out that they're not flying back to your home base for various reasons. So where are you headed, Dr. E? Where am I headed? You know what? I'm going to go to Fiji. Ooh, yeah. Just meditate, relax. That's where, that's where I'm going. 
four, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person living or dead, who would it be? Uh, any person living or dead. Let's see. I think, uh, I, you know what? I don't know who she popped into my mind. I've had the pleasure of meeting with her, but I haven't spent much time with her. Michelle Obama. That there's some, she's an amazing woman. And I think there's some really cool stuff that's yet to come that we haven't seen from her. So I, I'd like to, I'd like to have a conversation with her. Okay. Five. Okay. Here's, here's the picture. You're on a deserted Island, right? It's magical, tropical. The weather is perfect. Sounds like Fiji. There is a gift shop there, but your funds are limited and you could only buy one item. And here are your choices. Okay. Two bananas and a mango, your favorite TV shirt, or your favorite CD. What are you buying? Food. Mangoes. Yep. Six. This is an easy one. Apple or Android? Oh. Is there, I didn't know there was an option, Apple. <laughs> well, I'm a split there. <laughs> team Apple for my computer, team Android for my phone. I have two Apple computers and my phone right here. So yeah, I'm going Apple. Seven, if you can hop in the time machine, go back and give your younger self a piece of advice, oh. what would it be? Gosh, Um I wrote a book called Better Than Perfect, which which is uh, the notion of instead of being like focusing on perfectionism, like you have to you have to get A's all the time or else you suck, kind of embracing the journey. And so I would just tell her, focus on being better than perfect and you will flourish. Amazing. Eight, what's one wild card factor that you have in your wheelhouse that no one knows about? No, if this is, I don't know. I don't, this is what comes up to me. I was asked kind of similarly, the notion that we all have superpowers. And and when they asked me what my superpower is, that this is what came up. Um, I, I have the ability to bring out the best in other people and help them feel really good about themselves in, in a genuine way, because I think everyone has good in them, but a lot of times other people aren't focusing on it or they aren't focusing on that. So bringing out the, the positive and the best in people. Oh, I like that because it shows that servant leadership there. And then nine, if you could recreate any significant moment in your life that led to an amazing impact on you personally and professionally, what would it be? If I could relive it, is that what you said? If you could relive it or recreate it. Well, it being Mother's Day, I would just say... um... I mean, there's nothing like being a mom. So maybe, Aww. you know, maybe for, for me, it would be like one of those times when the, I have two daughters and we were just having a time together where like, I thought I was going to die from a stomach ache because we were laughing so hard. So that's what I would relive. Those, those, those just fun times of hanging out. They used to dress up in my clothes. And now even as teenagers, they're like, we have some really great times together. So and 10 this is our pass or play question and here are the rules if you play I ask you one last question if you pass the roles get reversed and you get to ask me a question so do you want to pass or play oh I'm gonna ask you a question okay what's your question if you could implant one thought in your mind and truly believe it for the rest of your life what would it be Mm. 
never let the sun go down on your wrath. And the reason why I say that is because if I had a chance to um, do it over again, I would not have certain arguments with my dad if I knew that he was going to pass so soon due to medical negligence. And I wish he were here now with me so he could actually meet his granddaughter because I feel a little selfish that he got to spend all this time with my brothers and sisters' kids and he'll never get to spend that time with my daughter who will be born soon. Very nice. Great. So, thank you for playing Rapid Fire with Genesis and Dr. Elizabeth. So <laughs> let's jump into the meat and potatoes of the conversation psychological red zone. So I'm sure you listeners and viewers are wondering what the heck is a psychological red zone? Like, come on. So Dr. E, tell us, what is a psycho psychological red zone? And if we think about it, I could almost guess that it's a period that stops you psychologically because whenever I think of red, I think about the stop sign, the stoplight, and it's like, irks. <laughs> Yeah, so the psychological red zone, not to be confused with the football red zone, which is where people want to get into, the psychological red zone is when we experience high levels of stress, or in psychology, we call it distress. Distress is any emotion you don't want. There's actually positive stress, and we call that eustress. That's when we're maybe excited about giving birth or excited about a vacation, but distress is any emotion we don't want. So it could be anger, irritability, fear, guilt, shame, anxiety, worthlessness, helplessness, hopelessness, all of that goes in the distress pile. Distress exists on a continuum from zero, no distress at all, to 10 out of 10, the most distressed you've ever been. So for example, someone's angry at a 10 out of 10, they might be yelling or throwing something or the proverbial steam coming out of their ears. The psychological red zone happens when we're at a seven out of 10 or higher, a seven and eight, a nine or 10. That's when we're that psychological red zone. And in the red zone, we don't always think rationally and we don't always act rationally. So quick pop quiz, if I may, to, for your listeners, um, have you ever said or done something that you later regretted? Yes. And what was it? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Have you ever uh, procrastinated on a particular project or avoided a project that was really important? Yes. Have you ever been so overwhelmed that you couldn't focus or maybe even couldn't sleep? Yes. If so, then you were in the psychological red zone. So these are the kinds of things that happen when we're in the red zone. When our mind gets into the red zone, and we could talk about biologically what's going on, but when our mind gets in the red zone, we tend to focus on what's wrong. We tend to feel overwhelmed, and we tend to engage in um, behaviors that aren't necessarily so helpful. Procrastination being one, um, there are a whole lot of other ones. <laughs> So then question there, uh, Dr. Elizabeth. So can the psychological red zone play into maybe childhood traumas or traumas that you've seen in your life that could counteract it? It can actually, that can, that can put you in the red zone when you've, when you've experienced a trauma, if you haven't processed it. Um, yeah, because, because what happens when our brain experiences trauma, if we don't process it, it starts to rewire in a way um, that focuses more on the trauma that where anxiety and, and fear and all of that distress gets even stronger. Because so, I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking about there's good trauma and then there's bad trauma. Like for example, for women, whenever we're getting ready to, you know, get married and you know, 
it's getting closer and closer to that day. You know, your body goes into stress because you're like, you want everything to be perfect. And then you start stressing and then that could be traumatizing. Then you start lashing out and then you're thinking irrational. That's exactly it. Yeah. We think irrationally. So let's look at biologically what happens when we're in the, the red zone. So we'll compare it with the green zone. The green zone is a zero, one, two, three to stress. So when we're in the green zone, when you're in the green zone, I mean, whenever we're in the green zone, we're using more of our frontal lobe. That structure in our brain that differentiates us from other animals, right? It allows us to engage in perspective taking, executive function, problem solving. When we're in the green zone, we could be like, okay, using your example, okay, I, I, I know, you know, maybe something isn't going to be perfect at the wedding, but it's going to be the perfect wedding for me. Or I'm going to focus on just enjoying it and not, not sweat the small stuff. So when we're in the green zone, we can see different perspectives. This is where confidence happens. Yes, I'm not perfect. And I still believe in myself. This is where resilience takes place. Yes, times are tough. And I know I can handle it. This is where we can see um, and kind of let things kind of, you know, brush off, brush off. Like if our partner or loved one does something, it's kind of annoying. We're like, eh, it's just who they are. We can see all perspectives. Now, as we go up on this distress scale, our focus becomes more narrow so that when you get into the red zone, a seven and eight, a nine or 10, you're focusing almost exclusively on the negatives. I was trying to visualize that. So as you're going up, it gets more narrow, right? And then, so that's the seven, the eight, the nine and the 10. Okay. So So your focus goes from seeing the positives and the negatives to focusing almost exclusively on the positives. Okay, perfect. And there's a biological reason for this because when you get in the red zone, when I get in the red zone, when Avias gets in the red zone, our limbic system, uh, emotional reasoning, fight or flight part of our brain starts to take over and it hijacks our rational thinking. Now, this made sense evolutionarily, right? If our cave ancestors heard a rustling in the bush and thought, ah, it's nothing, they probably wouldn't live another day. Instead, they went right into the red zone, fight or flight. I have to get rid of the animal or get away from the animal right? They focus on the problem. We call it negative filtering, focusing on what's wrong, took care of the animal, and then they got out of the red zone. The problem is our brain is still wired to get into the red zone and act as if we are in a life or death situation. And yet our sources of stress, one, mostly are not life and death. And two, instead of being short-term animals there, then it's gone. Our sources of stress become more chronic, right? COVID, social injustice, health issues, financial issues, job, whatever it is. And because these tend to be chronic, a lot of people are spending a lot of time in the red zone. And again, in the red zone, we don't always think rationally and we don't always act rationally because our subconscious, our subconscious basically feels like it's drowning, right? A drowning brain is not one that's going to be open to new ideas. A drowning brain is not going to be one that sees the positive in what's going on. A drowning brain is focusing on not drowning. It's focused on the problem and it feels overwhelmed. So when we get in this red zone, for whatever reason, a lot of people are spending a lot of time there. And that has detriments not only to our emotional well-being, because that can result in, in, in mental illness, uh, physical illness. It impacts our relationships. It impacts our work. Absolutely. Because as you're talking about it, if you're in the psychological red zone, you're not firing on all the cylinders and you're not living a holistic life. And what does that look like? That looks, um, what is your mental stability? What are you doing physically? What are you doing emotionally? What are you doing spiritually? And all of those combined is what 
lets you live a life um, that is optimal, a life full of results, a life full of happiness and et cetera. But if we don't realize those emotions or those significant events in our life that's causing us to enter into that red zone, then it's gonna be a lot harder for us to come out of that red zone. So from a professional standpoint, what are some um, warning warnings or alerts that we could be mindful of whenever we're getting ready to oops, oops, creep into that red zone. <laughs> You're entering into the red zone. Yeah. And so I call these red flags because you said before, when you, when you think of the, the, the color red, it things stop. So when you, when any of these red flags happen, you want to stop and assess and, and be aware as we're talking. And I give you these red flags. We're talking not only about ourselves, but also the people around us, because a lot of people around us are in the red zone. And so they're acting in ways that aren't necessarily kind, consistent with who they want to be, not because they're bad people, but because they're in the red zone. Sometimes when we're in the red zone, we can engage in behaviors that aren't all that wonderful, right? Not because we're bad people, but because our limbic system has been hijacked. Our rational thinking isn't there. So the three red flags that will let you know when you or others are in the psychological red zone are as follows. One, emotions you don't want. When you notice yourself feeling intense, negative emotions, overwhelmed with sad, anxiety, anger, that's a red flag. Two, physical sensations, right? Our minds and our bodies are so interconnected. Think about when you're feeling stressed, how does your body feel? Some people get headaches, some people get neck aches. I remember, I remember I was defending my dissertation, working on my dissertation, I was in uh, school and I walked by the mirror and this is how I looked. My ears and my shoulders had become one. Why? Because my red zone, this goes right into my neck. Yeah, right, yeah. So, so our bodies will let us know. And a lot of times uh, people have certain physiological signs. Maybe it's um, stomach pain. Maybe it's feeling hot, sweaty, or feeling cold. Those are red flags. You might be in the red zone or entering in the red zone. And then the third, so we have emotions we don't want, physical sensations we don't want, and the third are behaviors we don't want. When you engage in behaviors you don't want to do, like being irritable with loved ones or lashing out to them or being like, speaking in an unkind tone, right? It's not what you want to do, but when we're in the red zone, that's often can be what we do. Or not doing what you want to do. Procrastination is a great example of that, right? Procrastinating, saying I'm going to the gym or working on a project that is important to get done. When we avoid that, that's also a behavior that we don't want to do. So emotions you don't want, physical sensations you don't want, and behaviors you don't want. Those are signs that you may be in the red zone. Those are all signs that happen on a daily basis. And one thing that I want to add to that is, are you listening to your body and really listening to your body, paying attention to what your body is doing externally? Because sometimes you could break out in rashes or hives internally, those stomach aches, um, the knots that you may feel in your um, shoulder area, the back, the achiness and et cetera. And that could be an inclination that your body is under stress, but you don't even realize that it's stress until somebody asks you these questions and you kind of go through the checklist and you think about it and you're like, yeah, I think so. And, but you should, why do you let it get that far? And is it because we're trying to be busy just to say that we're busy or are we truly busy? Because I feel like in in this day and age, we're glued to our phones. Everyone is 
on their phone. Technology is taking over. We're spending endless and countless hours doing things that are not adding value to us. So you have to really take time to really practice that mindfulness and connect back with yourself inwardly. And once you connect with yourself inwardly, then externally, things will line up accordingly. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. A lot of times people don't, they don't pay attention to their bodies. They, they try to avoid it or they try to numb it. Um, and then the other thing is I just was doing an, uh, an interview, actually two different media outlets independently reached out to me about something called uh, revenge bedtime procrastination. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. Revenge so, bedtime procrastination. Yes. I had to write it down because whenever I hear revenge, I, uh, a different P comes out in my mind. And so I have to make sure not to say that one. But anyway, so revenge bedtime procrastination is, is, is happening with a lot of people. What is it? It's when people are overworked, they are overscheduled, and they feel like they don't have a lot of control in their lives. Maybe they're on a job that they don't particularly like. Maybe they're caregiving and taking care of other people. But what happens is they are exhausted at night. But instead of going to sleep, which would be the smart thing to do, right, to restore your mind and your body and your spirit, they will stay up and watch, you know, hours of Netflix or be on surfing the internet or get on social media because they're trying to kind of give themselves a break. But that break is not restorative, right? And instead, you're getting less sleep, which causes more distress, which kind of creates this downward spiral of, you know, physical symptoms and a distress mentally and emotionally and, and, and all of that. So yeah, that's, that's one thing that's happening when people are in the red zone. They think I'm so overwhelmed. I deserve a break. Instead of doing the healthy thing, go to sleep, they'll stay up. Mm, Okay. And then um, Dr. Elizabeth, whenever you began to write your book, what are some of the challenges that you face with writing this book, if any? Yeah, so this is my fifth book, I guess, writing. Um, this was a fun one because I, you know, I'm not a writer, right? I'm a psychologist and I went to school for psychology. Do I write a lot? Absolutely. But I actually worked with a, an editor and I've worked with editors before, but this was a really great editor. And so we worked very closely together Um and I, I, I call it Charlie Brown Christmas treeing my work. So I don't know if you remember Charlie Brown gets the Christmas tree that's so sad looking. And then, you know, his friends go like this and suddenly it looks beautiful. And a great editor will do that. I used to have a, um, I used to have a column in Better Homes and Gardens on parenting. And, and they would ask me a question and I'd, I'd send in my response and then I'd read it. And the, the information, completely the same. But the way they said it, I was like, wow, that sounds really good. Um, so for me, it's been very much, I don't have to do it on myself. I'm good at this. And let me find the people who are good at this and let's work together. And I think that's, um, you know, that's something to remember whether we're writing a book or whether we're doing anything in life that we have our own strengths and the areas we don't have strength, we can get support either learning um, to become stronger with that or just um, working with others to, to work towards a common goal. Absolutely. Focus on your zone of genius and outsource the rest whenever it makes sense. Exactly. So um, in your book, like what are some of the highlights that we could find in the book? Are there any exercises or um, maybe blank pages that the readers could take notes and follow along? Yeah, so it's very much... um... It's a, it's, it, it is a book, but it's really, it's not a workbook per se, but there are specific things that you can do. You know, I remember when I was in psychology school, it was the first week of, of school and I was madly taking notes. And I remember it was like something 
struck me across the face and said, and I thought, why do I have to get a PhD to learn this? We would all benefit to understand basic concepts of how our mind works and how to make it work for instead of against us. Because what goes on in our minds, as you well know, impacts everything that we feel and do. What we say to ourselves will determine how we feel physically, how we feel emotionally, and what we're doing in this world, how we're interacting with others. And so really, um, my, my goal in life is to provide what I say, bite-sized, digestible components of, of psychology, you know, what we know from theory, what we know from practice, but do it in a way that you can implement it in your life. So for example, while 90 minutes of yoga every day would be lovely. I know of no one who has the time you know, to do that. So it, the book is really about here are, here are small things that you can do that have a huge impact on your life. And, and I'll give an example. Uh, one of the things I talk about is a three by five, three times a day for just five minutes. Do something healthy and helpful to address your distress. So it could be five minutes in the morning, you wake up and you uh, focus on gratitude. It could be five minutes at lunch, you go for a quick walk. It could be um, for those people who are commuting, or even if you're not, you know, maybe calling a friend um, in, in the afternoon, meditating, prayer, exercise, listening to music, laughing. I mean, they're, they're, the things that you can do are countless, but doing it three times a day for just five minutes, everybody has that time, right? And people often say, oh, well, is there, is that really going to make a difference? Challenge yourself to do it for a week, put it in your calendar, have it pop up five minutes. And I do this, uh, I work, I do a lot of training in corporate America and what companies are starting to do is to block out those times for their, or their employees are doing it. And so, but it's on the shared calendar. So everybody knows when it is and it's absolute respect. These are the five minutes that, you know, the boss is meditating or this team member is going for the walk. Non-negotiable, but five minutes, three times a day, we all can do it. And I, I will promise you, if you start to implement this, you will notice yourself spending less time in the red zone and more time in the green zone. And I can wholeheartedly co-sign on that. I didn't just do five minutes. I did 30 minutes and I worked in corporate America for 15 years, 12 were in oil and gas and energy. And I would block off on my calendar ergonomic time, which is I'm either going for an ergo walk or I'm either standing up for 30 minutes if I've been sitting for 30 minutes or I am doing a coffee chat and connecting with someone outside of my primarily group because then I'm stepping away from my computer. I'm giving my eyes an ergonomic break because I'm not looking at the screen. And then I'm connecting with someone on something that may not necessarily be work-related. Yeah. And people are like, what, what are you doing? I was like, I'm going on an ergonomic break. And it's also a way to establish boundaries. So you're establishing boundaries for yourself, but then you're also enforcing it for other people who have access to you and your calendar. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're right, because people will treat you the way that you let them treat you. So if this is a non-negotiable, great. I'd love to have this conversation. Right now I'm doing my 30 minutes or what I say. I mean, and, and by the way, more than five minutes is great, but most people are like, I don't have time. Everyone can find three, five minute times. So Block it off. Oh, I need to talk to you. Great. I'll be back. I mean, unless it's an emergency, I'll be back in five minutes. Great. I'll call you in five minutes. And so you're establishing those boundaries. And then people, even if they don't like it, they're going to know, okay, that's what they're going to do. And wait a minute. I've noticed that she's become a lot happier. She's a lot less stressed. She's not snipping at me as much as she's been doing this. Maybe I'm going to do it too. So it's really good role modeling. 
Yes. And even the bathroom, because I tell people you have to make time to go to the bathroom. So why not make time for something else? So <laughs> yeah, there's a, there was a, a, um, a friend's episode where one of the characters decided that she was going to start smoking because people were allowed to go out and smoke a cigarette and take a break, but she didn't smoke. So she couldn't take a break. Like, isn't that ridiculous? Right. And so taking these, taking these five minute breaks will actually help you be much more productive and get more done in a more effective manner. So Dr. Elizabeth, before we jump into the call to action part of the segment, I want you to hold up your book so the viewers can see it. And let's unpack this cover. So zoom in, okay, tell us about this cover. I am getting, well, which side? I am getting out of the red zone. See that? I am getting out. <laughs> um, yeah, so so getting out of the red zone, so transform your stress. The, the, the tagline is transform your stress and optimize true success. So transform your stress. What does that mean? It means we all have stress, right? So I'm not saying get rid of your stress. And in fact, we know from psychology that a moderate amount of stress, hopefully in the form of you stress, positive stress, actually helps to motivate us, right? If, if, every, if we have no reason to want to change, if something's super easy um, or we don't think it's going to be helpful on one end, or if it's so hard and overbearing that we're not going to do it, that can prevent us. But so we want to transform our stress from being one of distress, negativity to use stress, being excited, being, um, you know, passionate about, about moving forward and then optimize true success. True success is a, a trademark term. Um, and I created it after working with clients for, <laughs> I used to say 20 years, but we're definitely we're way past 25 now. So for a long time. And in general, my clients tend to be quite successful on paper, right? They're making the money. They got the jobs, blah, blah, blah. And yet they come to me saying, is this as good as it gets? Because they don't have the fulfillment. They, they have the success of what society calls success, but they don't tr truly have that fulfillment. So I, um, the true success formula is three variables. It's three ingredients. It's passion, it's purpose and it's people. Passion means positive energy, even during challenging times, right? That's getting out of the red zone and, and living more in the green zone. Purpose, we're, you know, we all seek purpose, meaning and fulfillment in our lives. So, so making that a vital part of our lives. And then people, we are social beings, right? And like it or not, we interact with other people. So how can we optimize our relationships with others? So when we have passion, when we're led with passion, we have purpose driven um, focus. And when we optimize our relationships with other people, that's when we get to enjoy true success. Ooh, I like that. So the three P's and I, I just put in my notes, PQ, passion, purpose, and people. And then what is the tagline for the three P's? What, what does that allow you to do, Dr. E? To cultivate true success. Cultivate true success. And a thing I want to add on to that is success is personal because what success looks like for Dr. Elizabeth may be totally different than what success looks like for another doctor that is also a psychologist. But you have to be so happy and in tune with yourself that you know what your success is because success could be driving that Tesla, that Lamborghini, or that dream car that you have living in this nice house. But then you may not have time to spend spend time with your family. Whereas other dogs, they love spending time with their family. They drive a normal car, like a Toyota or whatnot, 
but they have success and they're happy with it. So don't look at the success that somebody else has and try to depict that onto yourself because then your own vision becomes still stagnant. Absolutely. Yep. And again, defining it for yourself and not how society does. Nothing wrong with wealth, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's how you define your your worth and your success, um, you're never going to feel successful enough. Because what happens is people are like, oh, now I feel successful when I make my first 100,000, 200,000 million. But it, you get on this treadmill. And, and once that's how you define success or that's how you define your worth, once you achieve it, what happens on a treadmill? You got to take another step. You got to take another step. And I will say, I mean, I hear people, oh, I'll be happy when, you know, this happens. I make this amount of money. I get this job promotion. I, and they're just on this treadmill. So that's part of true success is really embracing where we are right now. And I will say when I have more passion and purpose and optimal relationships in my life, not only do I have greater fulfillment, but the byproduct is my business is way more successful. I enjoy more what I do and I get paid a lot more. So it's, it's, it feeds off of each other. Yes, the synergy is there. Now let's jump into the call to action part of the segment, Dr. Elizabeth. When our listeners and viewers hear this, what do you want them to do? To In terms of getting out of the red zone. Yeah, in terms of getting out of the red zone or just leveling up and living their life optimally. Yeah. So, you know, one of the reasons why I love the term red zone is it depathologizes and destigmatizes what we all go through, right? So, so May is Mental Health Awareness Month. You know, I was out in LA uh, yesterday, actually, at, a, at an event. And one of the things I asked was the following. When you hear the word health, what comes to mind? And people often say things like nutrition and exercise. Great. When you hear the word mental health, what comes to mind? And people often say anxiety and depression. And isn't it interesting that we think of health, we think about proactive ways to be healthier. And yet when we think about our mental health, we think about pathology. So using the term red zone, we aren't saying what's wrong with you. We're saying we all get into the red zone sometimes. And what if this was part of our our everyday language? What if we could have conversations about where we are and where everyone else is and help each other out? And I'll give a a great example of this. Um, I'm a professional speaker. So I give a keynote at at a company and a week later, I met with the executive team. I love speaking and I love meeting after to say, you know, what worked, what didn't work as they were applying the concepts that we talked about. And the CFO of the company told me that after learning about this concept of red zone, she now asks everybody, including herself, where they are on the scale before a meeting. And she had a really important meeting with her financial analyst. She said he was at a nine out of 10. And she said, I knew understanding the red zone, you know, he wouldn't be able to think rationally. He wouldn't be able to be very helpful. It wouldn't be a productive meeting. She rescheduled the meeting for the next day got him a gift certificate to Grubhub, which I thought was so funny. They met the next day and had a great meeting. What is that? What is she communicating? Your mental well-being is important to me. We all get in the red zone sometimes. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just what's happened. There are steps that we can take so that we can address our mental well-being so that we can flourish even more at work and in our personal life. So my goal, and I hope that as people hear this, they can start to see how can you apply this in your life? Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home. I have not one, but two teenagers. And there are times when I get in the red zone. There are times when my kids get in the red zone. We now have words to use that instead of, oh, she's being a teenager or mom's being, can I say bitchy? You know, oh, I'm in the red zone right now. Let me, let me take a break. 
right? Or, or when my, my daughter the other day was completely in the red zone and she said, mom, I'm in the red zone right now. I just need to take a couple minutes. Awesome. Then we can have a conversation as opposed to when one person's in the red zone and the other person's in the red zone, we've all had conversations like that and it never ends up well. So my goal is that people will hear this. They'll start to apply it in their own lives. They'll start to give others grace to realize, oh, that person's in the red zone. It doesn't excuse behaviors, but it can help us understand. And instead of, you know, getting upset with someone for their red zone-ness, give them some space, let them get out of the red zone. And then you can have the conversation of, you know, I, 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 I respect that you're stressed with work or in this relationship, whatever. And we still, you know, need to be able to have a, a kind conversation. So, so you can address that when people get out of the red zone, but, but really taking the steps for you and for others to get out of the red zone so that you can start to think more rationally, so that you can start to interact in the way that you want to, so that you can be the person who you truly are. Because in the red zone, we're not the people who we truly want to be or who we really are. Mm, absolutely. Those are some amazing tips and a great call to action. So they can really spend time to just focus on where they are, who they are, and what they need to do. Now, Dr. Elizabeth, for the community to connect with you, plug your website and where you primarily hang out on social media. Yes, so elizabethlombardo.com. That's where I am. If you have kids, I have a company. Just I started a company over the pandemic. It's called Elevive. E-L-E-V-I-V-E, Elevate Your Mindset, Thrive in Life. And it's for adolescents and parents of adolescents because stress rates have never been so high for teens and their parents. Um, and then Instagram is where I spend most of my time on social media. So D-R-E Lombardo. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. You just heard the one and only Dr. Elizabeth Lombardo. And for those of you interested, her last name is spelled L as in Larry, O as in open, M as in Mary, B as in boy, A as in apple, R as in Richard, D as in desk, and O as in open, Lombardo. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. So definitely read, scroll, tap and connect. For those of you um, that continually tune in, I want to thank each one of you very much because, because, because of you and because of all the incredible things that you do to make time to listen, we are now ranked in the top two and a half percent globally out of 2.8 million podcasts for www.listennotes.com. So definitely make sure you like, comment, and share this segment, and most importantly, subscribe so you could always be connected to when fire-filled, amazing guests such as Dr. E comes back. So until next time, peace, love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-S, at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.